0: you're listening to The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. In every episode, we will discuss the topics and trends, the issues and ideas, the challenges and opportunities facing senior business leaders today. This series is one more way we want to engage with our network of industry executives. Thanks for joining us. Hello again, everyone. You're joining us for another episode of Executive Platforms Blueprint podcast series. My name is Jeff Nitz. I'm head of content and research. My guest today is Rene Buck of BCI Global. Uh, Some of you may remember he's been on an earlier episode. I'm so glad he's able to join us again this time. Rene, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Jeff. I want to talk about where we are in the world of supply chain right now. We've come out of the pandemic. Everyone seems to understand we are now in a period of frequent disruption. It's not going to go back to the way it is before. I think uh, you have coined an acronym that I quite enjoy, uh, VUCA, uh, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And it can seem a little daunting. But I also think uh, with the right mindset and approach, uh, anything can be adapted. I don't think we're putting out fires anymore. We're trying to be proactive. I understand uh, you've summarized some of your thoughts into a, a five-point plan. And I wonder if we could start there. It's a five Ds. Is that right? Uh, just to uh, be correct, the uh,
1: abbreviation of the VUCA world, volatility, uncertainty, Complexity, ambiguity uh, was mentioned for the first time in Harvard Business Review. So I don't want was I, I don't want to take credit for something we didn't invent. Okay, but it's a it's a good way of describing that the world is uh, volatile and um, uh, new factors came in. COVID nineteen was obviously a, a very important one, but also for example the war in Ukraine. Uncertainty is about a, as a company will we be successful in the market? Will we not be successful? Complexity is certainly also for large corporations. You know, they all say we want to have sustainable supply chains, but if you have eight business units, how do you organize that? And ambiguity has to do with the unknown unknowns. So for companies, it's really difficult to deal with these circumstances. And if you think about it, companies have three reasons why they review their footprint, where they are, where they set up. It's internal drivers, you grow, you merge with another company, uh, you have great products in the pipelines and others you have to phase out, that's what. You have also more industry drivers. So which if you are in the medical technology company, it's not only for you, but it's also for your peers. Think about the regulations or sustainability or new smart manufacturing technologies. And then you have these external circumstances like uh, COVID, like the trade war between US and China, ship shortages, uh, power outages in certain areas in the world. And so what we have seen is that these external circumstances are more and more for companies uh, important, while the problem is they cannot influence it. You know, a CEO of a company can influence new products, new pipeline, uh, whether or not to merge or acquire another company. So what we see is that the companies are adjusting in the way how to work in this VUCA world. And uh, we think that for companies, five strategies are important and they all start with DE. So not. Um, One is um, uh, companies starting to decouple from China. It's particularly in the US, a lot of discussion about that. And that doesn't mean leave China. Decoupling from China means Let's not be too dependent on China for our components, sub-assemblies, products, et cetera. So it leads to a strategy where companies still are in China and sometimes even increasing their presence in China, but more for the Chinese market itself. The second, what a lot of companies learned is being not too dependent on one single source of your products. In the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of companies found out wow, we didn't know that we were so dependent on one product from one supplier in Vietnam or China or one producer. So companies are now de-single sourcing. So they want to have multiple sources. Uh, For a certain component, have suppliers in various parts of the world so that you are not too depending on that. The third element of this DE strategy is de-risking supply chains. Companies know that being uh, far away from your major markets, whether it's the US or Europe, Japan, that um, if you are too far away, the risk that something happens during the journey of the products and um, the components, um, that that risk you want to minimize that. The fourth element has to do with decentralization of production. Um, A lot of companies say, okay, to be sure that we can deliver our clients in the future, That's decentralized production. And that means a little bit in simple words, region for region production. So yes, we will have a plant in China for China. Yes, we will have a plant in Southeast Asia for the Asian market. Yes, we will have a plant in Europe for the European market. And yes, we will have a plant in the US or Mexico for the US market. So decentralization of production is often mentioned by American companies and American media also often call it, Reshoring, you know, getting production capacity which was installed in uh, China slash Asia back to the homeland, and the last DE strategy is decarbonization, because a lot of companies, and we see it also now in the supply chain, it's about how can we reduce CO two emission levels um, by using different types of um, uh, of vehicles, uh, by um, sustainable buildings but also by producing closer to the markets because from a CO2 perspective, the most polluting part of a supply chain is everything you ship by air in airplanes. So what we see is, so we have the VUCA world, so volatility, uncertain, complexity, and ambiguity, and the answer we think that companies should integrate, should consider, should review, is decoupling from China, de-single sourcing, de-risking supply chains, decentralization of production,
0: and decarbonization. I mean, it's certainly a holistic plan. Uh, I'll well, There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also think it's one of those things that large organizations, if you can think of them as steering uh, an enormous tanker ship, they don't turn on a dime. This this is an ambitious, long-term project, but it's also important, isn't it? It's it's urgent, it's, it's but it bad. takes a while. Yeah, because, you know, large companies uh, can
1: perhaps implement it easier or on a shorter time timeframe. Um, but for mid-sized companies, the risk is higher mm. because uh, companies who have dozens of billions of revenues have the opportunity to take losses. If you have a, a business of 600 million dollars or euros and you have really a supply chain which is disrupted and your clients complain, etc., then you have to install these strategies. So yes, um, larger companies can do it easier,
0: but the stakes are higher for midsize. Companies. So is there, um, an order that makes sense or is it always case by case, which of the D's they focus on first? Yeah, it's a little bit, uh, case by case because you can imagine if you talk about chemical intermediates
1: or companies producing cameras or semiconductors or batteries for electric vehicles, they are all different supply chains, but this is these five DE strategies is what we see among our clients that we have put them in a framework so that you also can relatively quickly diagnose for a company, hey, what is that priority, Jeff, what you mean, or what is this logical sequence to implement actions in what geographies? Uh, some companies have business units where it, it doesn't apply that much as for other business units. So it's a framework, it's a thing framework
0: which can really help companies to take the right actions. And I think it's important to, when we talk about a framework, inside and outside perspectives, the more good ideas you can bring to the table to move on some of these Ds must be a a huge part of the conversation as that strategy is being shaped. And so uh, we as BCI Global, we work in all geographies in the world
1: with our teams in in North America and the US and Singapore and Shanghai and in Europe. Um, And what you get is examples from other geographies, but also industry verticals. So we work in the automotive industry, but also in pharma, medtech, industrial products, et cetera. So showing examples and learning from other industry verticals can really help. And it is to help companies to make your supply chain future-proof, resilient. Those are buzzwords. But you need tactics for it. It's not good enough. The CEO can say, yeah, we de-risk our supply chain. But then the supply chain leaders and the VP operations and the VP manufacturers, they have to make it happen. And then this framework of those five DE strategies really helps to prioritize, to say, how can we get our act together? And how do we reach our goal? A robust,
0: resilient, sustainable supply chain. And I have to think some of these are also uh, mutually reinforcing. If you're making a lot of progress on one, you're probably driving performance in the other. direction. Th- sure,
1: you know, you cannot say, um, um, it, it's not completely isolated because if you think about the single sourcing, so not being too dependent on one supplier, if you decentralize, if you said, "Well, uh, I get some of my uh, production capacity back from China to the U.S.," then in the U.S. you will look for su- suppliers of that new blend. So some of these de strategies are, um, uh, are linked to each other uh, and can reinforce each other, um, and that's also uh, a good way to um, uh, to have pretty quickly results because at the end of the day, this is not a PhD type of approach. This is a consultant approach which works for our clients. And that's the reason why we are trying to convince more companies that you need such a strategy, because otherwise it just stays with beautiful words in the uh,
0: in the annex of a annual report. And that's just not good enough these days. Well, actually, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that there are certainly companies that are further along in this than others. Um, and I'm not looking for you to name names, but what do they have in common? The ones that are finding success with this strategy, who are ahead of the curve, what uh, are they doing right, or thinking about, or what links them together as as good actors? I think the, 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 the what
1: the, their common characteristic is that they make use of VCI global, and now I'm joking. Okay. Uh, now, but I think another characteristic is is that these companies want to have strategies which can be implemented. So it's it, it's it's strategic. Tactical and operational level, and that's what we love to do already for thirty-eight years. It's not staying at a high-brose uh, strategic level, and not only operational. And it's, uh, but it's a, a strategy has to start with a strategy, right? So um, the combination of strategic, tactical, and operational measures helps. The second is think in scenarios. Think if hey, if we would open up a plant in Mexico or Romania, how would that influence our strategy? The third is think cross-functional. So it's not only about supply chain, it's also about procurement, it's about manufacturing, it's about HR, it's about finance. So those are elements which help you to analyze, to compare, to assess various solutions so that you, at the end of the day, can find out as a company what is the optimal
0: solution for us in our specific environment and our specific industry. Now, you did, joke one of the things that, they all have in common is that they're all your clients, and you know it's it's a good line. I, but I think it's worth talking a little bit about your organization, which is a uh, very boutique consultancy, but one with great longevity, which speaks to success. That, what makes you a leader in the space? I think that we, uh, a boutique consulting
1: company, has the advantage of um, uh, teams with great leaders. Um, we work globally, so with our offices in, in the US in Dallas and the Bay Area in Atlanta, we are in Singapore and uh, Shanghai, and in Europe in the Netherlands, in Germany, and in the UK. And what helps is is that you um, that line of strategic, or technical, and operations is a little bit the DNA of our company. And companies like that, because uh, not everybody, not every company, is keen on having consultants on board. Uh, based also on uh, not always great practice experiences. I think we bring that to uh, the table. And over time, we have worked out for more than 1,500 companies in fifty five zero uh, countries in the world. So that adds to the credibility, but also to your experience, to understand situations, to see where it will go for. Um, uh, forecasting is an important element in our work. Modeling and simulating solutions and, and uh, I think that helps and we were actually very pleased that um, uh, Forbes magazine makes every year a list of America's best management consulting companies and we are for fifth year in a row on that list. But last year also, uh, Forbes made a list of the 200 best management consulting companies in the world and we were on that list as well as a relatively mid-sized company. So uh, I think a lot of clients appreciate independent advice, industry experience, um and being a trusted advisor and and that's what we try to be every day
0: so i have a couple of questions just to follow up on that one would be do you find many of your clients are looking for one answer and it's sort of a they get your input and then you're done or is it a long-term relationship you build with
1: we have long-term relationships but not long-term contracts let me explain that it's not that we have a five-year contract with our with a client um, so we have long-term relationships, and that they come back and say, now we have an issue here. We want to consolidate those two plants in Germany. And then a half year later, they say, well, uh, our uh, North America plant uh, faces uh, labor market challenges. Can you take a deep dive into what the solutions is of that? So for a number of companies, we work on a regular basis all over the planet, but it's it's case by case, but it's based on, that uh, trust relationship we build over the time with a lot of companies. And obviously, every day we are working to find new companies where we can
0: become that trusted advisor. And trust was actually going to be my next question, so I'm so glad you did. When you're dealing with sensitive data, helping them make decisions, informed decisions, some of that has to be benchmarking against, hey, we have an experience in the automotive sector or we have done a lot of work in Europe. How do you let clients know, yes, we're learning by working with you, but your information is is still your information and it is secure. And what we do to help you doesn't then get translated to somebody else where they can take action on that data. Oh, it's actually, it, it's a, it's an excellent question. We have to be very cautious and prudent with the
1: information we gather. We do a lot of work for stock listed companies. They have larger legal teams than my whole company. So if we would do that wrong, we would be not existing anymore. It's as it's simple like that. So uh, there are good contractual relationships. Uh, We are very cautious. Our team leaders are very cautious on that. Um, Because if we would fill the left hand with information on the right hand, we would have one year with great revenues, and the next year we wouldn't exist anymore. So uh, companies can trust us, will trust us, and in
0: all the 38 years, we have never misused that trust. Let's get back into some of these Volatilities, uncertainties, complexities, ambiguities that supply chain executives are dealing right now with right now. Um, the one that is top of mind, I think, in a lot of people's minds is uh, labor. I mean, the the war for talent is a conversation I have at just about every event yep. in every industry, um, and I'm sure it's something that your group deals with as well. Um, can we talk about maybe some examples from your work that we can talk about in that space? And uh, what we see all
1: over the U.S. and also in Europe, because a lot of people think that. Central and Eastern European markets in Poland, the Czech Republic, and Hungary have unlimited, unlimited labor markets, which is not true. So, if we talk about labor, we talk about availability of the right people, we talk about skill set, and at the end of the day, also about costs. And what we see is that um, um, in many countries and counties, you have very low unemployment. You know, if you have an unemployment level but, uh, uh, lower than three percent, you're nearly in a static labor market which makes it for companies difficult to grow. And if it's difficult to grow, even if you're doing great from a PL perspective, then you have to go to other locations while it would not be necessary if you had the right labor. So um, in some countries and regions in the States and in Europe, you have on the 100 unemployed people, 154 vacancies. So it's for many companies really a headache. I, I recall a meeting with, an American uh, company in Minnesota who said to me that it was a global VP manufacturing. He said, Renee, I'm prepared to clean my agenda for two whole weeks to go with your teams across the States to find a location where um, I have a good feeling, a good understanding that the labor market, not only now, but also the next five years will be okay to find people. Now, Labor market challenges are here to stay. I, I love to say to our clients, I let them complain for 10 minutes about I cannot find the right workers, etc. It's the new normal. You just have to deal with that. So the question is, even in the toughest labor market, the question is, how can you become the employer of choice? Because even in the toughest labor market, there are companies who can hire, right? So um, one of the things we did is we developed a new analytics method. We call it IDEAL. Uh, It's not only IDEAL, but it's an abbreviation of in-depth assessment of labor markets. And what we do is really an in-depth simulation, quantitatively qualitative interviews to see how is the labor market on a metro level or a county or a city level, how will that evolve in the future? We cannot guarantee, um, let's say that the labor market will be okay for the next 10 years. But all the signals and all the simulations and all the modeling um, uh, gives us a better feeling for certain metros to advise for our clients than in others. So labor market is something, get used to it. Uh, I know it's not a popular message, but it's just a way to do it. Analyze what is necessary to become yourself your employer of choice. It has to do with earnings, but also with fringe benefits, with secondary benefits, with career uh, path development opportunities. Those out of the elements to uh, uh, cope
0: with labor market challenges because complaining is just not good enough. You, know, As you're walking me through that, and again, I have a conversation about talent quite often, the thing that I keep thinking is there are so many industries out there, there's so many companies out there, they're all trying to do something a little different, and maybe having a, a third party with experience in the space, you can identify what they're trying to do and give them actionable data quickly. But of course, they have to be willing to act on that data. Um, can we expand upon that piece of this conversation? Yeah, you know, it's
1: uh, every location has a different labor market profile. If we take Atlanta or Berlin or Barcelona, if you look to um, if you want to set up there a uh, software development center, that's something different than a medtech assembly of a facility. That's completely different from uh, a batteries for electric vehicles type of plan. So. Um, each industry has its different requirements in size, in skills, in number of people, etc. cetera. Um, I think analyzing that um, into detail um, is necessary. It's not good enough to say to Atlanta, Berlin, or Barcelona, hey, what are your employment figures? What are your unemployment figures? Yeah, that looks okay. And then you go on. That's not professional enough in these markets. So you really have to go into deeper five-year forecast, it, will there be more companies in a certain industry come to in this case Atlanta, Berlin, and Barcelona? So and and then also prepare what is the offering you as a as a company want to offer to the market? Are you on the below type of market the rates where you pay, or do you want to be a front runner? And front runner is not only earnings you pay per hour. Front running is also what about transportation? What about pension contribution? What about part time work? What about career path development, uh, can you grow up? What are training? Do you get certificates? So I think um, in, in to find people in your supply chain operations, whether it's a distribution center or whether it's a manufacturing plant, looking into what is the total offering we have to bring to the table to be the employee of
0: choice is far more than just saying, hey, we pay so many dollars per hour. I'll see you again. So, I'm ready to pivot into why DCI Global is a partner of choice, what getting started looks like, how to get in touch. I can do all that. Is there another example like labor that you want to talk about first? Because these are great examples. Everyone has this pressure. These are conversations that are valuable. If you've got another one that you want to showcase, I'm, I'm very happy to take no, that up for right.
1: well, Perhaps another um, angle would be um, in some emerging industries, um, you have new kids on the block. So uh, I give you an ex- example. I, I run into a company in California, 13 people, company in the batteries. They only think what they lack is 850 million dollars for their real first flight. Right. So these companies, so in some industries, cell and gene therapy, uh, in the biotech, and in general, batteries, some parts of the semiconductor value chain, you have completely new companies who don't have a legacy of finding right locations, who don't have. An understanding of that, you admire those companies because
0: they are technology experts, but it doesn't mean that you can find the right location for your new operations. And a genius at building a product doesn't necessarily know every other facet of getting a company. And and, and for those
1: companies, location advice, independent location advice, is crucial for the success of their firm.
0: You know, as you've been speaking, and I know we've been talking about very large companies and sort of the small and medium-sized enterprises. Um, I was recently in Boston speaking to a whole room full of pharmaceutical manufacturers, many of whom are in startup mode. I mean, there's a whole new generation of medicine coming out. Some of those companies are 10 or 15 people, but 10 years from now, they're going to be 10,000 people. This is the future of that industry. I wonder how many of them know where they should set up their business, where they're going to get those 10,000 employees. Um, can we speak to the sp- uh, the startup end of this industry. Of, of, oh, no, in and and, and, yeah. and it's it's an end where
1: we also love to play because it's where you also, as a location advisor, can add value. So suppose you are a new startup, whether it's in a biotech, cell engine, in a batteries world, uh, in the uh, semicon value chain, and these companies are great technology specialists. But talking about setting up a large manufacturing pump, It has to do with taxes, it has to do with incentives, how to fund labor, what about real estate deals, utilities, on and on. So for those kind of companies, um, with all the respect we have for them in developing completely new technologies, and as a non-technologist, you admire what they are trying to achieve with their technology, it's also where you can add value to the table, because these companies, a number of those, have no clue at all of what it takes to set up a manufacturing plant. That setting up a manufacturing plant is something completely different than have with four of your college students, university colleagues setting up a new um, uh, setting up a new firm. Um, so for those companies, the stakes are high to make the right location choice in a world they don't know, which is VUCA, as we said in the beginning of the, uh, the story. So I think for those companies, having a respected location advisor is critical Not only critical for the success of that plant or that distribution center, it's critical for the existence of their company. Because if you have a small company with 10 or 15 people, you make the wrong choice, the company goes bankrupt. So for those companies, doing location choices with professional advisors is really mandatory
0: to avoid that they end up in Chapter 11. Mm -hmm. So... And uh, that just further underlines how important it can be to get that third-party perspective with a wealth of experience. You know, ask the people who are informed by a career doing this sort of thing. If I am one of these startups or a medium-sized enterprise or, or an executive at a large firm and I've got questions, what is the best way to reach out to BCI Global and, and get a conversation started? Uh, you, you can um, call our offices in the U.S. or in Asia or in China and Singapore
1: and in Europe and you will find great colleagues who answer your questions. Um, who can um, uh, have a listening ear to understand what is your question, what are your challenges, what you try to achieve. Uh, companies can always call our worldwide headquarters um, in uh, in the Netherlands, uh, uh, where we where, where I live. Uh, people can always reach out to the leadership of our company. They are on our website, global.com because I believe that strong leaders are not important only for our company but are also important as counterparts for our clients so that they know that there is a robust, experienced person who understands his or her business to help them in the best way
0: possible to uh, move forward. Uh, Renee, I really feel like I could sit here and chat with you all day about just about any kind of business pressure that is happening. (laughs) Uh, I do know there's an event out there that I want you to go enjoy a little more of, but... uh... I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your thoughts. And I encourage everyone, do visit that website. It's a a powerful resource to engage with experts like Renee. Thank you again so much for your time. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you very much, (laughs) Jeff. You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. I've been Jeff Nix. Let's do it again soon.